Which means they're totally kissing. Yes, I don't know why cigarette folks don't care about germs. I do. Everybody, we're sorkin' in it. Watching the newsroom, please take just a minute. It's a podcast. Aaron Sorkin might choose about Will and Mackenzie making the news. You're sorkin' in it. Welcome back to Sorkin in It, the podcast where we go deep on Aaron Sorkin in ways that he probably wouldn't mind. I'm Lex Friedman. Hey, and I'm Brian Warren. We spent season one of this podcast watching all of Aaron Sorkin's movies, and season two we are spending watching all of The Newsroom. And this time, Brian, we're watching season two, episode eight of The Newsroom, Election Part One. Election Night Part One is a, a legitimate two-parter, Lex. I feel like we had a... We're right, Election Night Part One. I see. I see. You're correcting me politely. <laughs> You're fine. It's fine. Election night, part one. We had a two-parter in season one, which uh, I think we both kind of agreed was kind of a wimpy version of a two-parter. But this was a legit two-parter. Um, mm. And yeah, it's it's up to me to give like a brief overview of what we're expecting in this one. And brief overview sounds like a Sorkin character name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, brief overview uh, coming from the steam pipe ventilation <laughs> chamber. I can't remember. Steam pipe distribution venue. Trunk distribution venue. That's right. <laughs> You know, you'd think with the title like Election Night Part 1, we'd spend a whole bunch of time focusing in on the actual election and the results. And, and we'd certainly kind of brush up against them a few times. There's a couple of times they come a little bit more closely into uh, the plot. But we certainly spent a ton of time doing other things, too, you know, in, in typical newsroom fashion. We got Charlie trying to find ways to get them not necessarily fired, but at least let them uh, resign their, from their jobs. Uh, Maggie's chasing down some new lead um, that we don't really get a ton of details into. Sloan and Mac are both asking Neil to do really ridiculous uh, favors for them. <laughs> and Don learns that there's a new lawsuit against him, which is kind of an interesting bit. And then we get uh, we dip a little bit more into Will and Mac's um, personal history and some flare-ups from there too yeah i'm sure there's some other stuff too but th that's a few of the bullet points I mean, I'll, I'll i'll spoil it right at the top here I, I you and i left season two episode seven really pumped up really excited for season two episode eight and i thought that we went from great to okay yeah <laughs> I, I did not think this one lived up to the standards of the prior episode i feel like we li we're living back up to the standards of maybe kind of a, a typical season one episode maybe i don't know yeah yeah uh, I did find it interesting at the start of the episode that uh, they were really all going to resign. Like yeah. all of them were prepared to resign, not just the leadership, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed, uh, so th I, I wrote down more dialogue than I typically do for an episode. So there were definitely some pithy moments here. Agreed. But um, they're asking like, why didn't she accept your resignation? And the response is she didn't think, and this is, this is uh, Jim talking to uh, Hallie on the phone. Mm -hmm. And Jim says, or on Skype, she didn't think it was the honorable thing to do. And Hallie says, no, seriously. <laughs> and I loved <laughs> that even within the show, they can't believe the nobility of some of the characters on the show. Yeah. Um, I liked her calling out the insanity of what Jim was describing. You mentioned Skype. Uh, uh, I looked in Jim's doc and again, no Skype icon. I did note that as well. Uh, weird. They, they spent so much attention to detail, but skip that thing. Oh, well. Um, I did think it was weird that... If we resign anyway, she'll sue us. So, like, they can't just resign without her accepting it. She'll sue them if they resign. I get that she could absolutely enforce their non-competes and keep them from working if they resign against her will. But it's weird to me that she would sue them for resigning. Yeah. <laughs> They're not indentured servants. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how that works. But maybe the most exciting thing of this episode 
is that uh, Marcia K. Harden, Rebecca, got scenes out of the conference room. So well done, Marcia K. Harden. Welcome to other sets. Yeah, and she was looking pretty fancy, too. She was, which she pointed out. I always appreciate when Sorkin characters, mostly women, talk about how good they themselves look. That is, I think, a creation of Sorkin's mind. What was her, her line about herself? I'm... Uh... <laughs> I don't remember. I think she said, I'm liquid sex. Yes, I'm liquid sex. That's correct. Uh, I really did enjoy Will in this episode, which I don't always do. But uh, Charlie is really frustrated, and Will appoints himself in charge of morale and is thus jovial. And so I looked up in charge of morale, like, is that a thing that um, has been said in other Aaron Sorkin projects. I'm in charge of morale. And when I Googled it, I found an interview with Aaron Sorkin about the social network and the filming of the social network where he described himself as being in charge of morale. <laughs> and I found it amusing that even if he hadn't said it in other shows, it is a thing that he has said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I really enjoyed Will's kind of like, he, he was a little aloof and a little bit just like, he, he had this kind of lightness to him that was pretty entertaining the char- in charge of morale thing that and he kind of calls back to it later in the in the episode which was great um there was a point where i think he was arguing with rebecca when they were talking about like well you know the the, the problem was that this, this this whole newscast was not true and will says oh i'm sorry i didn't meet your east coast intellectual standards <laughs> will's having a lot of fun um I appreciate Charlie summarized the insanity of the situation in a way that I found amusing, where he's just going deep on, here's all the things that have happened, and mm-hmm. then they won't accept mm-hmm. a resignation. Will just not caring at all is funny <laughs> to me. And um, then as you referenced in your, your episode synopsis, your synopsisizing, I thought Aaron played a little bit fast and loose with how the law works, because uh, Rebecca says, I need to talk to Don Kiefer. Mm-hmm. and they want to know why. And she says, well, he has attorney-client privilege, but he's not going to be happy. I don't believe that that's true, that he has attorney-client privilege with ACN's lawyers. I believe right. he can have attorney-client privilege with his own lawyers, but ACN is paying her, and the person paying the lawyer is the one who has attorney-client privilege. Since Don isn't paying her, and Rebecca's ACN's lawyer, Don doesn't have quite that privilege. Right. That's, uh, I think I'm not a lawyer. My favorite internet acronym, I anal, but I, <laughs> I think I'm right. Sure. Like... It it seems like there there's a differentiation I suppose being made for plot reasons of like suing the network versus suing Don personally, and so Don's getting a getting double whammy there, and so yeah. But uh, either way, she's not necessarily just Don's lawyer. Like he's not hiring her separately. Right. In fact, they even talk about like how expensive this whole thing's going to be for him. There's also this strange moment that drives home Aaron Sorkin's infatuation with cigarette smoking, but. Uh, Will is smoking, and then Charlie takes the cigarette and says, I don't know why you smoke these things, and then Charlie leaves the room smoking that same cigarette. Which means they're totally kissing. Yes. I don't know why cigarette folks don't care about germs. I do. Like, it's it's so common, I guess, in at least in movies and television, when there's, like, a joint, that'll get passed around, and I'm like, gross, there are so many mouths on this thing. I don't like it. <laughs> then there's stuff that just doesn't work for me. Like, there's this scene with Elliot talking about this crazy news story uh, involving... I couldn't even quite follow it, but like this person's running against this person and this person hates gay rights, but this person is a gay like clan related. So I couldn't even follow it. And then Saul's like, oh, I'm totally doing that one. I call it. And I was like, what are we even like? It's his story. You don't know it. And then it becomes a plot point that she doesn't know it later on. But I, I, I didn't buy that at all. That didn't seem the way like adult professional humans interact. That felt really clumsy. And then 
Constance Zimmer is back. And I felt like her character of Taylor was really kind of shoved in. Oh, now that she's been fired from the Romney campaign, she'll be a correspondent for our election night news coverage. That felt a little like the magic of TV. Yeah. <laughs> we can keep this cool character who we've fired from her Romney post. It, it would be one thing if she had developed this rapport where everybody loves her now. Like there, there was a, there was a moment in when they had that whole dinner uh, where Jim was kind of taking pity on her, right? And and so like it could be that she had ingratiated herself more with the the group, but it didn't happen. And and they even talk about like, oh well, we, I hate Jim too. So uh, I I don't get why she gets to be there aside from you know for convenience of plot. I then had uh, a real question because we meet we see Maggie again and she's back to being short hair. Maggie, I can't keep the whole short hair thing straight, Lex. Like I thought she cut her hair. <laughs> right after she got back from africa and this made total sense to me until uh like there was a good six months where she didn't have short hair and that it was only during the depositions that she was i guess reliving these ex or the, it wasn't even deposition the the taking of statements uh that that she was reliving the africa thing and then i guess cutting her hair then that's the only thing i can put it together but i i don't understand it um so I was Googling this just as we started to record. The The post I see in the newsroom Reddit on Reddit is headlined, Seriously, Maggie's hair doesn't make any sense. But the first comment, I haven't read it yet, speaking of Reddit, but I'm going to read it to us both now, if you don't mind. Live. Do this it live. This isn't really rocket surgery, and I'm surprised that so many people are having a hard time following the timeline. Maggie goes to Africa where the kid gets killed. This starts a downward spiral towards an emotional breakdown because she feels responsible. As a result, she starts going out to bars, drinking, and possibly sleeping around. During this time, her hair is still blonde. This is also the time she's working on the Genoa case. In the flash forwards, her hair is cut short and red. It is referenced in a flashback in dialogue between Rebecca and Jim, Maggie, Don, and Will in many episodes that this was likely due to an emotional breakdown. In the episode where Jim and Hallie run into Maggie at the bar, Jim later says to Maggie, be careful when you're drinking and talks about the level of secrecy surrounding the investigation into Genoa. This seems to be a pretty clear case of foreshadowing an event in Maggie's upcoming storyline that will further push her towards an emotional breakdown where she freaks out and cuts her hair. The death of Daniel in Africa wasn't the, com the complete cause of her losing it, but it got the process started. Uh, so the lawsuit's taking place in November of 2012. The story of Genoa was released in September 9th. They've been investigating Genoa for almost a full year. There's still two months of storyline for Maggie that we haven't seen yet, and I'm sure the hair situation will soon be explained. Okay. I actually I actually think that does make a little bit of sense if it's not tied to she didn't cut her hair after after Africa. She cuts her hair later at a time that I guess we still we've now seen she is post having cut it, but we didn't see the inciting incident. Mm -hmm. So, all right, I'll I'll buy it. Okay, so we're we're closing in on it from both sides, uh the flashbacks and the current time. Yeah. I believe it. Okay. I don't know. I guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess we will. Yeah. So, okay. So when Maggie and Constant Zimmer, what's her name? I'm supposed to I'm supposed to be the one who knows the names. Uh, her last name is Warren Taylor. Because, Taylor. Taylor. I said it too. You just didn't hear me. <laughs> no, I didn't. So when Maggie and Taylor like uh, cross paths, and Taylor's trying to like tease out that oh, Jim won't like this, and she's like, oh, I'm I'm Maggie, and I don't like Jim either. <laughs> she's basically just I hate Jim. Too. Okay. I hate Jim. I'm Maggie Jordan and I hate Jim too. <clears throat> That's what she says. Does Maggie hate Jim? Like, I feel like we we don't see Maggie hating Jim much. There's like uh, anger, frustration. There's uh, unrequited interest. Um, she's nice around Jim. 
and she's nice around Hallie. I don't get it. This is a great call out. And and it's not fair to hate Jim. Yeah, this is this is a great point. I didn't even I, I wrote down I'm Maggie Jordan and I hate Jim too. Uh, first of all, I don't think that Taylor hates Jim. Um I think that Taylor only gets this job in part because of Jim, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. he's like, Hey, here's a smart person. Um and what would she hate him for? To me, maybe I hate you because now that I'm ready to be in love with you, you are unrequiting me. Yeah. Or maybe I hate you because you have expressed care for me while I'm in an obvious downward spiral and I don't want to be cared for. Neither of which is a reason to hate somebody. So I don't take Maggie at her word when she says she hates him. Um, but I'm Maggie Jordan and I'm really mad at Jim or I'm really frustrated with Jim. Okay. But I'm, I'm okay with her phrasing. But you're right. I don't think she hates Jim. No. Uh, in I don't know. We're probably probably unlikely to get very far trying to psychoanalyze maggie um because we don't i don't want to reduce her like that um we would need david Kremholz to do that for us i feel like yeah that would be helpful dr habib i miss him i don't know i i think pushing jim away emotionally from herself to save herself like that that's as far as i'm going to go with that and that, that makes enough sense to me I, I yeah yeah and then as you referenced already Boy, does Sloan get a stupid plot line with Neil this episode. <laughs> well, Neil is the butt of two stupid plot lines in this, and they're both very similar. Uh, yeah. So with in the case of um, Sloan, she was supposed to have signed a book for a charity auction, but she didn't sign it. So he has to get the book back and figure out who has it so she can correct the signing. On this and, of all nights. Yeah. Everything about that plot was dumb. And then we... So whatever that story is that Maggie gets from... From Taylor because they hate Jim together. The guy, when Don makes the call with Maggie about this quote, the guy wants to trade for something else. Don says, "Don says, you know, we're not in the mood to be fucked with." And I appreciated that. Like he's <laughs> he's basically saying, "Hey, we just had a really bad thing happen, so you can't be screwing with us some more." And I I like that scene, even though I wasn't entirely sure still what what was the i mean i i got what the story was eventually that maggie had gotten from taylor yeah, about yeah. bad things that a political whatever but it wasn't that interesting to me and then what really made this a, an episode in the no column for me was will and mac have the same fight again to me yeah and i i just i was like I, it, was, it felt i wrote this is dumb and boring to me i am tired of this conversation like i get that it was a big deal in will's life that Mackenzie cheated on him and that he's still mad about it mm-hmm. but they have this the same conversation again i don't know did, did you get something new from that one the the revisiting of it i think is part of the point in that like now will has something else to be mad at mac about and she's just bracing herself for the other shoe to drop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay good point like i don't know that we need to spend a whole ton of time on it uh and it's there, there's obviously a lot of baggage there that they continue to not have resolved um will being like super dismissive about it uh, and trying to minimize it does it i guess it's a little bit kind of true to type for him a little bit but it, i agree it felt boring and it didn't and it felt completely unnecessary for this particular episode too so she's begging him to fire her and eventually he does fire her so that that is like a little bit of like a a plot point that needed to happen i'm so glad that you said this because I just wrote down as as you were talking about this. Oh wait, Will fired her. <laughs> Said you're fired by the end of this broadcast, and it didn't even seem like uh, I don't know. It didn't seem like a giant deal. And I, I mean, in my read is she's definitely not going to be fired. <laughs> no. So 
So I didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what the point was again. Like, and also, it didn't feel right that she was fired. Was he firing her for Genoa, the story that he, you know, gave his stamp of approval on? Like, what is he firing her for? For having slept with another person many years ago? Six years ago, I think it was. Yeah. Like, I wasn't sure why we're getting fired. The other, one of the nice things that he said in this, like, that felt a little bit more thoughtful is that he kept he said i was the good guy or something like that uh or maybe that happened later in the episode he says i was the good guy and the the way that he talked about that that felt more genuine than i'd ever seen him talk about that relationship and that was almost sweet to see that that side of him but gosh like i'm really scraping at the at the barrel for this yeah I thought that Will showed a little bit more vulnerability than he sometimes does in that scene. But other than that, I was like, why Why are we doing this again? Yeah. We've got Taylor on the broadcast. To me, the only fun thing about Taylor on the broadcast was that every time Romney would win a state, she would like cheer under the desk. And I thought that was funny. I was surprised a little bit because he fired her. And normally, like, I feel like at least like on the West Wing, if you got fired from one campaign, you went to another campaign. I feel like that happens in the real world, too. Yeah. And the fact that she's still pulling for that guy, I guess she's still a Republican and he's a Republican nominee, but it was a little funny to me. We didn't see anybody go from Vinick to uh, Santos's campaign or anything like that. Right. Uh, no, I wouldn't expect that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I could see, like, I could see some of the people who, like, Donna went from um, Bob Russell's campaign mm-hmm. to Matt Santos's campaign. So, boom. Yep. Look at that. Look at me having all those facts. Right. Um, We're both proving each other's points there. That's right. One of the things I liked in the coverage, because uh, there's very few things I need to I need to point it out. When Will's calling a couple different uh, races around the country, he ends up trapping himself the way that he's talking. And he just says it right on the air. Like, I am I apologize. I was trapped by my own sentence structure. And that <laughs> I giggled. I, I zipped back and watched that again. I was so happy to see it because I have done exactly that of where you're caught up in a sentence and now what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, I like that he called it out. I uh, I appreciated how kind of everybody in the area responded, like his co-anchors and the people in the booth, like just one of those things. Mm-hmm. But so there's some party, why they're having a party on election night, which is like a huge busy night for the network is beyond me, but whatever. Apparently all the attendees have to check their phones at the door. It's all the... the- it's all the muckety mucks on the on the forty fourth floor who have nothing to do aside from watch it. <laughs> and so, Reese, you know, Charlie is 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 begging Reese, please, you gotta fire us. We should be fired. And Reese is like, I agree that you should all resign, but my mom won't let me. And I thought he said that in such a little kid petulant way. And then Reese goes on a truly out of character to me, insane, unhinged rant about his mom, mm-hmm. wondering when he's going to get married. Is he gay? If he's gay, he should say so. That's <laughs> fine. But when are they going to have grandchildren? And like, I can't tell what's happening. Is Reese messing with him? Um, is Reese just going unhinged for a moment? Uh, Don like loses his mind. Like Reese, like stop. Like this is bonkers. But that I liked the insanity of that scene. I just right. didn't find it believable. Uh, I I wrote it down that it, that it was pretty amazing and. If listener, if you haven't watched this part, like go go back and watch it. It it is it is pretty silly. And from what we know about Reese, he was the villain for a while, and now he's like a he's kind of caught in the middle, and he's actually semi on their side, but only because he really wants to fire them. It's it's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, it, I I don't understand it. And when it was happening, I felt like I was watching some other show at the time. But um, I'm I'm still glad it was there, even though it was weird. Yeah. But so then, a couple things happen all at once. One, we have Don messing with Elliot. Like, before Elliot's going to go on the oh, air, yeah. Don's being very annoying to him. And Elliot's like, what are you doing? And Elliot's going to be broadcasting from, like, the news 
the the bullpen basically which is funny and then elliot's doing a report that i feel like we've seen on real news stations where it's like here's our decision desk like here's the people who are really the statisticians and we isolate them from everything else and we don't want them to be influenced by other networks and blah 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 and then he's also going to the stat nerds be like anything new for us and they're like no, no, this takes time. And Don's in his ear saying, wow, this is great television. But what did Don expect was going to happen? Like, Elliot should have been told, don't ask them anything. Yeah. Or he should have known they weren't going to give any live stuff. So, like, I blame them all. But it was ridiculous to me that that was what was happening, mm-hmm. uh, that, that he's mocking him for a broadcast that he sent him in to do. Uh, but later on in the episode, there's going to be a moment where suddenly they realize that um, t- because of a software crash for Jim, he hand wrote a note to maggie where he used the wrong state abbreviation um and mississippi instead of michigan or, or no, right they called the, the wrong state yeah yeah and the statistician person is like no he's definitely going to win in in the state that we've miscalled or called too early but he hasn't won yet and jim's like let's just not tell anyone and because nobody wants to be the person who screws things up after they've had a big screw up and I actually, I was on Jim's side. Like, mm-hmm. nothing has happened here that's wrong. If they already know who's going to win, and they're sure, and that lady seemed very sure that he was going to win 51-49. I enjoyed, like, it's not as close as it sounds. It's exactly as close as it sounds. <laughs> um, but, I don't know. I uh, I was with Jim where I could see the motivation to, like, let's not make this a thing. Like, um, And he, remo- I, he gets it removed from the, the crawl that goes crawl. across the yeah. bottom. And it... it it becomes something that nobody ever has to talk about, you would hope. I'm wondering if it'll come up in part two, because it also is a thing where if they said it or they showed it, they probably have to say, hey, it's it's too soon for us to have called that one, so we're holding on it. But I get why he didn't want to. They're trying to be super discreet about it, but like Don's right there and he sees it and he's just like, no, nah, leave me out of this. <laughs> That's good. Um, I did like the the bit of blindfolding the lady when she's coming out of the room, and then he's like, "Just take off your." Bl-. I didn't understand why he'd be like, "No, I'm over here." It doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter if she's facing you. Like that that seemed a little hammy to me. Well, and he's whatever. moving around too. <laughs> exactly. And then we we find out we go back to Don and the Jerry Dantana lawsuit, and why Don is being sued for tortious interference. And I know tortious interference pretty well, um, as a, a frequent tortious interferer myself. No, I've I, it's it's a thing that has come up in in various podcast contracts i've worked with where if they're currently under contract with somebody else but you're trying to steal that show like what does it look like mm-hmm. steal in the legal sense um but don's you know don t- regales the story of he gets this reference call for jerry and he says i've been waiting for this call my whole life it was for kickstarter right he was applying for a job yeah kickstarter. that's right and uh, he said he's you know here's what he did and he, i would never hire him and he's a sociopath and allegedly don's referring to him as a sociopath is what would constitute tortious interference because don can't make a medical diagnosis of somebody being a sociopath uh i find that thin i don't know that that would hold up in court um i don't think that the person calling don for the reference would believe that don was a doctor or mistakenly believe that don was a doctor nor were were don a medical professional or someone with access to the guy's medical history could he call him a sociopath without violating some laws Mm -hmm. Uh, so i don't know I get that it could be a lawsuit, but I think the Don would win if that went to lawsuit territory. Well, and uh, Rebecca kind of says basically that, like, this is going to cost you a bunch of money and you'll be fine. Uh, you have to mortgage your house or your apartment or whatever. Um, so just as long as you have $200,000, we can make this go away. And Don's like, I don't have $200,000. I don't know how much these people make. I was surprised that Don didn't have $200,000. Yeah, it seems like he's doing all right. But 
I mean, why work at that job 10,000 hours a day if you're not going to get paid better? Uh, um, I also appreciated where Rebecca was like, why would he list you as reference? So that this would happen. Yeah. Like, that guy's playing some some pretty advanced chess. If he's like, let me list this guy as a reference so that maybe he'll say something horrible about me and then I can sue him for lots of money. Mm-hmm. Like, Dantana is just a straight up villain at this point. Yeah. Um, There's also the whole Mac uh, coming to Neil to try to get him to edit her Wikipedia page uh, to try to because she gets really bent out of shape on this again of all nights uh, that it said that she went to Oxford instead of Cambridge. Uh, The only bit of trivia for this on IMDb is that Emily Mortimer actually did go to Oxford. So that's a, a, a delightful little thing. But that may be the most entertaining thing about that plot line is that she actually did go to Oxford. I, my notes on this plot point were annoying, annoying, annoying. Like, I feel like we've seen it before on this show. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in this episode, and it's not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've kind of, I guess we've glossed over that Gary Cooper was the one who missigned or who fake signed <laughs> the book. Right. And I couldn't tell if he was intentionally insulting the book when he signed it in German or if mm-hmm. he just had bad German. I wasn't sure which was happening. Did you have a takeaway on which it was supposed to be? I think he. It, it it sounded like it was like he was using the wrong uh, verb conjugate or something. Like it, he really was trying to say, "Please shred this book." Uh, <laughs> in German, uh, he just did it poorly. Wow, yeah, that but, whole thing is uh, weird. Given Sloane's reluctance to even do anything, and she's like, "Sure, fine, I'll sign my book that nobody wants." Like, yeah, I, I could see her putting in there, like, "Please shred this book," uh, just because she's being so stubborn about the whole thing. But um. It did seem a bit of a stretch that Gary just like opts her into that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, maybe part two will bail out some of this episode. You said at the top that this is, you know, this is a real part one. I don't know. To me, that's going to depend on how part two goes before I'm willing <laughs> to retcon this one into being a good part one. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This episode felt like filler. Like, especially some of those dumber plot lines. Right. You probably could have had election night part one and two all be one episode, right? Uh, Like, we could have cut out a bunch of the Wikipedia stuff. And if you look at, like, what are the things that are going to continue? What are the important things that need to continue between part one and two? Like, there's a a ticking clock as far as when they'll be able to resign. um, That the board or something has to, like approve them resigning uh going over leona's head or something or they'll talk to leona and and talk her into it which of course they won't you know they're they're season three they're going to keep working at the they're not going to start their own news company or something as a for season three so there's that there's the thing about the general petraeus uh lead uh that's going to probably bubble into episode two uh maybe the dawn thing with the lawsuit but that seems to like I don't know that he's going to, what's he going to do? Call up Jerry and and talk him into not having a lawsuit. So I don't know. There's like other bits of fallout, but it does feel like um, we didn't really fully get a a single episode of content here. Maybe maybe we'll actually get to talk about the actual election results because I don't know. I found that to be an interesting election. Maybe we could cover that. I I know who wins, by the way, if you want a spoiler. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see how part two goes. It's a season finale. I'm assuming that, uh, Mackenzie will not be fired by the end of that episode. Um, do you expect a, a Will and Mackenzie kiss by the end of the episode? I think no. I think we got to wait until no. season three. 
<laughs> maybe though. What about Jim and Maggie? I was about to say, maybe Jim and Maggie. Maybe that's kind of what we're building towards. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand actually. You know, thinking about it from like a writing perspective or a plotting perspective, why are we doing this with Hallie? Like, given like why didn't we contrive a way for Hallie to show up? in new york where jim is like why why does she li- exist as a face in the computer a couple episodes in a row um and that seems i don't get it like you have a great actress and they have nice chemistry you've lessened the chemistry by keeping her at a distance she's barely a foil for maggie because she's not even really there and so i don't know it just feels if i, I don't understand the choice yeah uh the fact that she's still far away and just on on skype makes me think that we're going to end up seeing less of her uh and I guess that makes sense if we're shipping Jim and Maggie. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we still got Taylor there. Like, what is she doing? Like, we're I'm not shipping Taylor with anybody. Let's get that out of there. I I, I do love that actress though, Constance. She's greatest. funny. <laughs> but I'm excited to see uh, part two and uh, get a sense of how that's going to go. <laughs> it can't be worse than this one, I don't think. Uh, but I'm I'm really I don't know. It's a season finale. I feel like Sorkin's good at season finales, and maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe some resolution, but also some kind of cliffhanger for season oh three. Oh, boy. Mm, could be. Mm, I don't know. Mm. And I really have no idea. I have no recollection whatsoever. I don't remember what season three is at all. <laughs> Everything that I remember from this show, I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Brian, first, I want to encourage you and all of our listeners to go to theincomparable.com slash members and become a, a member of The Incomparable. Wait, Brian, have you already done that? Oh, you know I'm a member. Love that. You get access to bonus episodes, bootlegs, extras. Uh, I think there's an Incomparable member Discord. Mm-hmm. Um and other fun stuff. And if you're already a member or becoming one, you can choose to allocate some of your hard-earned dollars to your favorite shows. And of course, they're all your favorite shows, but we're maybe your most favorite, so don't forget that. Uh, obviously, you got to keep Sorkin in it. Anything else we should tell them, Ryan? See how I made it like so chill and casual? <laughs> you know, uh, when's this episode going to come out? This is probably going to come out sometime in the new year. So, you know what? Happy New Year, folks. Uh, I hope 2024 is going great. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it's going better than season two, episode eight of The Newsroom did. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go watch uh, episode nine just to, um, and see, hopefully that'll make my holidays go even better. I love that plan. Mm-hmm.